Welcome to the La Dolce Vita Show, a woman's guide to living a fearless and fabulous life. My name is Heather Pickin, and I am here to give you that winning formula so that you can get clear on your vision, stay true to your values, and break through those mental walls. Check out my free resources at heatherpickin.com. This podcast is brought to you by Fierce Femme Wine, a woman's wine that inspires dialogue for change. Visit fiercefemme.com. So let's get ready as we uncover the formula to your success in business, career, and fabulous life. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to another episode of the La Dolce Vita Show. And for those that don't understand what La Dolce Vita means, it means the sweet life. I always like to say La Dolce Vita. And today, you know, it's funny because it's not all about the sweet life. You know, there are some failures that you have to endure. So to me, it's like having a balanced mind as you're pursuing your uh, career or your business, being able to break through all of those limitations. And honestly, that starts with your mind. And so I'm excited to talk with today, serial entrepreneur, Kim Wallace. And she is a wellness and beauty, uh, actually a pioneer of what she calls the original clean uh, beauty, uh, beauty products. We'll talk more about that. Uh, But Kim, thank you so much for being my guest today. You are most welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. My 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 pleasure. So you know, we'll get into talking about your your products and all that. Uh, but my first question is: Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Oh, you know, it, I couldn't say that I always wanted it. I just always have been. I haven't known a different life. I I had little jobs that uh, you know various things, uh, but I could never really stay in any of them because I would always have some idea and have to go chase it with all of my heart and all of my time, or at least most of it. So uh, yes, I guess is the easy answer. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, and one of the things when I'm studying like really successful women and I like to show uh, other women the parallels that are maybe wanting to grow their business, go to the next level, or even getting started. Uh, what's interesting, you know, always look at how someone is raised. So typically growing up, little girls that have been coddled more and not having a lot of challenges, they tend to be working for other people. So I'm kind of curious what your experience was growing up. Boy, okay. So that's funny. Um, My life is filled with entrepreneurs. My grandfather was um, a rocket scientist for DuPont, uh, invented the version of the catalytic converter that's still used in all cars today. So very inventive, creative. My father created a skincare company called Epicurin right about the same time I was born. He also had a construction company, which for years and years was funding the skincare company. So people who are just crazily trying to get things done. My mother, um, we, when we moved to Idaho when I was a kid, she started a ranch um, and became the first person to teach English horseback riding in Sandpoint, Idaho, a million years ago. Um, that, that inspiration, that entrepreneurial attitude has been around me my whole life, for sure. And something that I really like to point out to the kids, because to your, I have two boys, they're 
14 and 17 almost. Um, and one of the things that kids tend to not get is financial education, like life experience education. Everybody's so focused on what the book says and what was yesterday's science. It's like, what about tomorrow's future? Mm. And so I think that point is, um, yeah, I had good examples and a lot of, you know, we had bankruptcies. There were times when we had huge money. There were t like, there's, there's so much chaos, but um, mm. I was raised as an only child. Um, mostly like summers were Hollywood, the middle of Hollywood and the glamour of the skincare and beauty industry. And then in the school year, it was in Idaho on a 30 acre ranch where our closest neighbor was about a mile away. And I was uh, alone, you know, from five years old, I'd get on my pony and go eight hours, just ride across, stop at the bush to eat berries for lunch. <laughs> very, very much, uh, very, not a lot of supervision. Let's mm -hmm. just <laughs> I, I love that. What what a great story. So fast forward to starting your 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 business, your first business. Uh, what was that, and why was it important to you? <laughs> so, tr I've tried a lot of different kinds of businesses. So, just talk about maybe the last probably ten years. Um, not so much the first ones. Yes, all tanked. Um, <laughs> I love that. Wait, let me stop you there because, you know, a lot of times what women don't realize is that failure is a necessary part of your business evolution. And like, who would you be without your failures? Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So you're saying you want to hear this one? I don't think yeah, yeah, I want to hear the, well. just a quick evolution of what the so-called fail, failed businesses helped you to where you're at today. Sure. So uh, one of the earliest really important lessons for me was um, in the trucking industry. And I had this idea that I noticed something that was missing in truck stops because I used to drive a lot. I love to drive. I love to be on the road, just going from place to place. And I started noticing how underrepresented women were in truck stops. And there were plenty of drivers who were women, but the environment was so just male. <laughs> in every stereotypical way. Um, and so I had an idea and brought something to life in the Flying J truck stops. And it was a good idea. So good, in fact, that uh, a different company that was much larger picked it off, replicated it. They did it much better than I did. They did it faster. They, it really, like, I had this thing, they saw it, they did it, and I was in the dust. Um, and so that lesson was, make sure that you're doing something that can't be easily replicated. Mm, <laughs> that was for me in the branded world. That was a hard lesson. Um, and I still think about that uh, all the time, actually. There are all kinds of things. Like my sister and I were swimming and had this great idea for a very specific type of cup that doesn't exist, that keeps your drinks while you're splashing in the waves for hours on end in the beaches of the Carolinas. Really, like, favorite idea. I'd love to see it in existence, but it could be very easily replicated, especially in China, um, and just sold at a much lower price and faster and more easily. So it was an idea that I completely loved and would have loved to have worked on it with her. And I think it would have been a very nice success initially, but then nothing down the road because it would have been replicated. So this idea, I think, has has uh, influenced the way I've made decisions uh, when it comes to career and when it comes to building brands, especially clean beauty brands, always making sure that there's a point of differentiation or a set of points of differentiation that are protected as intellectual property with proper legal work that are either complicated, so complicated that somebody else would be like, oh gosh, you know, I don't really want to try to do that. Um, 
justified complication, you know, when it comes to, for example, specific ways to ferment ingredients or to take a raw material and turn it into something that you could then use in skincare. Um, so having things be complicated is a really good way to protect it. Um, combined with IP or, or also just something completely new. You know, people think there's nothing new in beauty, but I swear every time I blink, I see something that seems new and exciting and fun and interesting. I love it. I love it. Such a great journey of just sharing your failures as part of your formula and, you know, creating the businesses that you have today. So let's, let's talk about your beauty products that you have today. Uh, what was the inspiration behind it? You said that you grew up, your, your father had a skincare line. So why did you decide that you wanted to pursue that? Yeah. Um, the, one, the main reason is because I really care about health and wellness, and I originally thought I wanted to be a doctor until I volunteered for a year in, an, in a hospital and thought, okay, you know, I'm not the right personality for this, but I still really care about health and wellness and, and offering to people uh, an elevated state of living through health. And um, so that's what drew me to it. The skin is the largest organ in the body. Um, an illustration of that that I like to tell people because it really locks it in visually is you imagine your heart and the blood that's pumping through your heart. It can be 70, 80% blocked and you might not even notice, barely be more tired. Doctors wouldn't even probably notice without special equipment. You can have 70% blockage in your heart, but not a big deal. Your kidneys, you can give one away, right? You can have 50% of your kidney function, you're fine. If you take 20 to 30% of the surface area of your skin, like an arm, for example, and it's burned, so it's so badly damaged, it's debilitated in the same way losing a, a kidney, um, you're probably going to die. The chance of infection and fatality is very, very, very high if 30% of your body skin has been just damaged like in a burn. Mm -hmm. So this is a point that people, for the longest time, I mean, really the longest time, and also connected to some of my early failures, uh, people just didn't understand the skin as an organ, as a part of overall health and wellness. And so creating formulas that can make people feel better, either, for example, with uh, formulas for babies, when they, for premature babies in particular, they need to gain weight. And there are methods of touch, which of course is connected to skin, especially in the skincare part of the industry that I grew up in. It's all spa and very touchy, massage, all that. Um, but in the case of premature babies, they'll actually gain weight much faster if they're touched. And it's using and engaging in skincare processes and products that can help parents understand how to do that. Like, how do you touch a baby when they have ventilators and cords coming out of them and, you know, this crisis situation? So skincare is very um, useful to really teach people about touch and making sure that the products that go on that actually go into the bloodstream where you, know, you find them in all the different parts of the body, the urine and whatnot, these chemicals show up, uh, making sure that those are an opportunity to create more health, you know, skincare as healthcare versus mm -hmm. some of the harsher and harder things that for a long time, decades and decades have been being used on skin. I love that. So just really quickly, so you found, just so I can understand your idea, did you find the idea, did you look at the beauty industry or skincare industry and look at this as a need because this is a very niched uh, business, you know, with, with this specific uh, solution for, for babies. So it's premature babies, right? Yeah, well, yeah so I think that's kind of brilliant. So how did you come up with that plan? Uh, <laughs> I, just being in the environment, working with, I originally wanted to get 
for all babies, harsh and harmful chemicals out of the hospital. I didn't want the first thing that touched these babies' skin when they had their first bath to be something that I personally knew could be very harmful to their health. So I got very invested in that and worked with hospitals and doctors and nurses and distribution companies to shift the industry and change it and try to introduce new products that would meet that need, um, which we were successful in doing in, you know, I think 10 or 20% of hospitals. Uh, and then there's still a whole lot more that have some time and they'll get there. I know they'll get there. Either the companies that are providing the products will change or the hospitals will make different decisions. Like we'll get there. The engine has started. Um, I love that. Let, let's also talk about some of the roadblocks because a lot of times people look at businesses that have taken off, they're successful, but they don't hear like the stories behind it because I mean, this is probably like regulated. You have to, you know, especially if you're going through hospitals, you've got to pass, you know, certain uh, test certifications, all of that. So what were some of the roadblocks? I mean, were you ever questioning, hey, can this really be done? Or did you always say, no, this, this is needed. I will find a way. The latter. <laughs> this is find a way is definitely the idea. And this particular area of business is very, very small. So one of the things that I learned, a tough lesson, was um, when you get outside funding. I self-funded um, that business for a long time, but when you get outside funding, the expectations shift, and the mission sometimes is it has to shift. And um, it really took a lot of investment in terms of time to get that done. So the original company and brand that I was trying to do that with, that I had created for that purpose, um, when we got outside funding, it turned out not to be, in some cases, the right, the right, they weren't in the same headspace I was, they weren't in it for the long haul. And so we ended up um, making a shift with that company and moving away from hospitals. And along many years passed and I came back to it and created a new brand that had all the same history and all the same standards and did all the same things, but with better formulas, because now of course a lot of time has passed, there are more raw materials available, more testing has been done on individual raw materials so that we can have access to them to meet those high, high standards of hospitals for safety and data. Um, and so, uh, it's really very small, and this time for this particular business, it's called BEB Organic. Um, there's no outside funding, and there probably never will be, and I'm not building it in a way that will ever require outside funding. It's a long, long, slow, slow build. Like, that's the plan. It's seriously 20, 30 years, and, wow. and yeah, maybe it'll be you know, meaningful enough, um, but the journey, the journey is meaningful to me. And it doesn't require, this particular one really doesn't require a lot of time. And I feel like it's important and worth doing and an opportunity to provide leadership to the industry um, and support to the parents who really need it because it's pretty scary times in NICUs. Mm, I love that. Such such a great idea. And, and going back to what you were talking about, kind of putting that on pause or at least with, with the hospitals, did you feel like you needed to kind of like take a break? Like, wow, I just feel uh, that I'm a little bit depleted and I want to pivot in a different direction. Like what was going through your mind? Because the reason why I'm asking this, because there's a lot of women that are listening to this and they have a business idea and maybe they get some traction, but all of a sudden like industries are changing. They just kind of feel overwhelmed and confused. So what was going through your mind when that happened? I wanted nothing to do with any of it anymore. I was finished. I was, the experience ended in an unpleasant way and 
I found something else that was exciting to me, which wasn't my company, but it was a company that needed my skill set. Um, it was called Lime Crime, Lime Crime Cosmetics. So I was running that for a while under the founder. Um, and then we were able to sell that company successfully and now it's growing you know, on its own and I've moved on to other projects. But um, I completely took a break from my own entrepreneurial life and endeavors to go work for somebody else and help them build their dream. And I was able to really align with that dream and that vision, um, which was at the time, uh, express yourself unapologetically. It's mm -hmm. very empowering to women and I loved that. Um, and some of the experiences I'd had, had previously um, felt very, there were some very gender specific moments that were to your, to your, to use your word depleting. Um, and so it was really healthy for me and good to go immerse in another, a completely other world. I, I love that. You know, it's interesting because I do find sometimes when you feel like you've exhausted all your resources, you feel stuck. It's good to like pivot, whatever that pivot might be, working for someone else, starting a new project so that you can kind of regroup and refocus because you never know where that path is going to take you, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And this path turned out to be incredible. It, it Doing that shifted my life, my perspective, my network, the opportunity that was available, my um, really just even recognition of what's possible. Like I, it, it was such a good thing. And I met so many incredible people and I'm still working with many, many, many of those people as we've gone on to start other businesses. I, I love that. So I want women to get this is that you had to take that pivot in your business in order for you to kind of rebuild or rebrand in, in going to a different direction. Like if we take that out of the equation, your life would be totally different today. It would be probably pretty miserable mm. on the work front if I didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want women to realize that although you think you're, you're going down the right path, sometimes there's something bigger and greater out there for you. And you just kind of have to take a look down that path before you can you know, go down another one. So I just think that's an important lesson. So I'm kind of curious, like today, like what inspires you the most with the projects and, and products you're, you're working on today? Yeah, so many things. Um, and I'll, so you said the most, I guess the most is the idea that the, that the messages and the missions of these brands can really give to people something that they need. You know, one of them, for example, its foundation is built on creativity and being a creative spark. This is a men's grooming brand that I'm on the board of um, and helped co-found. It's called Kelsen, K-E-L-S-E-N. And it's all about, it's clean beauty, of course, like that's true for anything I touch, but it's all about bringing creativity to the table. And that person who wants to be an entrepreneur, an athlete, a, a, an artist, a DJ, whatever, really push themselves to the limit. It's all about helping them find that inspiration. And so the mission there really excites me. And then my biggest project, my most complex project, and the one that takes virtually all of my time, is uh, a project in Italy where we're literally working to help rebuild the economy 
of Sicily, or at least big parts of it, and bring the culture and the heritage. I studied anthropology as a kid, you know, at school, and so really love like that human message and sort of what are cultures, what are they doing, how do people relate to each other, what are the connections, how do people express themselves, all these elements. And Sicily is this incredible wealth. It used to be the trade war, the, the in the middle of the world, essentially. You had Africa, Asia, Europe, it's kind of pre-America almost, or just the beginning in the 1700s. And the, the wealth of history and knowledge and experience and community that's there, this brand that we're working on, there are actually three of them, the Fortuna brands, um, are bringing forward all of that greatness. And in particular, one of the things that Sicily has, because of where it was located, it has a genetic diversity, both in the people, but in the land also, uh, in, in the botany. Um, we have rediscovered medicinal plants that have been used for centuries upon centuries there that are unknown, and especially unknown in skincare. And so we're having the opportunity to take medicine that has worked forever, that's clean, natural, ancient medicine, and do all of the sort of Western testing that needs to be like, yeah, it works. They know it works because it worked for thousands of years, but also it works because this test said so. And bringing those things together to give them to people in ways that will make them feel and look and be better. I love that. How exciting. And I really truly believe that women are doing important things in the world. Uh, because because of you know where we're placing our values and wanting to see everyone win in the world. So I just appreciate you as a leader, a visionary, a, a woman that uh, is definitely on a mission. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. Now, before we go, I always like to ask people, like, do you have a special or maybe in the beginning, like a, like a morning routine or ritual that you feel like really grounds you, especially, you know, when you don't have like the greatest days, right? Not every day can be a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, on the best days, I'm up early enough to watch the sunrise. So I have either tea or coffee and zone out on the view. We're lucky to have this really big, expansive view because we're in the hills in the city. And so there are mountains and buildings and you can even see sort of sometimes cars and people. And um, I, it's almost, it's not meditation because I don't know how to practice meditation. I'm learning. Someday I'll learn. But it's, I go into essentially a trance um, and just reset. And on those days when, um, you know, so when I need to be talking to people before I've had a chance to do that, I never really recover. Like I never get my full, call it juju going if I don't have a few minutes in the morning to just be. Mm, I love that. Yeah, just taking a couple minutes in the morning to just be, just relax and reset. Kim, thank you so much for being my guest today. And if people want to check you out, they want to check your products, where can they go? Um, Kim Wall, Kim H. Walls, Instagram. I just started doing it. I should have for years ago, but didn't. But Kim H. Walls um, on Instagram will will start showing all the things that I'm passionate about and caring about um, in the very near future. It's already started. I love it. I love it. Well, again, thank you so much, Kim, for being my guest and to everyone that's listening, wherever you're at in the world, because I know we've got listeners all around the world, uh, is to live fearlessly and let failure be your guide. Until next time, this is Heather Pickin. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. 
So if you like what you hear on this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Interested in becoming a sponsor or learning more about leadership for women's performance using neuroscience or business coaching, contact support at heatherpicken.com. And don't forget to grab my latest book, The La Dolce Vita Formula, by going to fearlessandfabulousbook.com. That's fearlessandfabulousbook.com.